A reading from John. Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater life than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer. Because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I want to begin this morning with one of the most beautiful stories of friendship I have heard in quite some time. For several years, Amy had suffered from a rare form of leukemia. In her late 40s and single, there were many layers to her complicated treatments and stages of remission and relapse. When COVID began over a year ago, Gabe and Terry, a lifelong friend and his husband, decided to give up their apartment in New York and move in with her in North Carolina to help take care of her. With a compromised immune system and a growing list of other health problems, they were concerned that her isolation would only magnify potential risks. So for 14 months, Gabe and Terry were her caretakers and her companions. They divided the 24-hour care schedule between their paying jobs and their care for Amy, ensuring that at least one of them was sleeping through the night. When I spoke with Gabe about six months ago, I marveled at his commitment and the impact I knew it was having on he and Terry. And I'll never forget his response. She's one of our closest friends. I can't imagine not doing this for her. Amy died at the beginning of March, a year after Gabe and Terry moved in with her. And I cannot stop thinking about their friendship. It was a holy incarnation of what friendship can become, instead of the uncertainty and unease that typically accompanies terminal illness, they demonstrated a willingness to lean in even closer. It was an incarnation of Jesus's invitation to abide in love. Now, abiding is certainly not the path that most friendships take, nor is it the path of least resistance. Abiding in love is the path through which we come face to face with the kind of love Jesus had for his disciples and that he has for each of us. To abide in love is to endure the pain of the cross, but also the miracle of resurrection. 
To abide in love is to constantly open ourselves up to be changed by the ones whom we make our companions, our friends. I hesitate to turn our attention to this theme of friendship this morning because it is such a loaded concept. But here it is in plain words from John's gospel. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. To give you some context, Jesus is speaking with his closest followers about friendship. And to be clear, this type of friendship that Jesus speaks of is wholly unrelated from our friend count we have on Facebook or any other social media platform reference. This type of friendship is also not accurately reflected in the sentimental or intimate interpretations of friendship that often make Episcopalians deeply, deeply uncomfortable when paired with religion. The nature of friendship Jesus mentions is solely based on companionship. It is the culmination of Jesus's proclamation that God wants to be with us now and forever. Friendship is at the heart of why we have Jesus in the first place. This moment in John's gospel is when his teachings and his intentions become clearer. Now, just prior to this exchange, Jesus has washed the disciples' feet and shared in the Last Supper. It had only gotten darker as the evening had gone on. The candles had grown smaller and smaller the longer they lingered in one another's presence. Perhaps the disciples were beginning to understand the gravity of what had just transpired. Their meal had long since been consumed, but the wine continued to flow. This is a gathering to which they will continually return in their minds. The feeling of the water flowing as he washed their feet, the taste of the sour wine as he passed the cup, and the clarity of his convictions as he continued to talk into the wee hours of the night. These are the words that get to the heart of the matter. The farewell discourses, as they're called in John's gospel, the moments before everything changes forever. I imagine Jesus might have lowered his voice and slowed his cadence, causing some to lean closer. There's one word that sums it all up. Friends. It's the only way I can capture everything I've tried to show you. You may continue to think that being a servant is the noble way, but know that that will be your choice. I desire something much different for each of you. I am here because God wants to be your friend. There is no length God will not go to in order to be with you. There is no distance I will not travel to be with you. That is the whole of it. It is the heart of my time with you and the essence of what eternity will look like. We cannot begin to comprehend Jesus or God without relationship. 
And after countless attempts to be in covenant with humanity, Jesus gives new shape to God's life with us. The covenantal possibilities of relationship with God now point towards friendship. In some languages, friendship is translated companion, which means the one with whom you eat bread. With this language of friendship, Jesus invites us into a regular pattern of walking as his companion, walking as God's companion, and walking as companions of one another. We have to be intentional, though, about what this type of friendship looks like. Truthfully, it would be easier if we had a different word altogether so as not to confuse it with our everyday interactions. It is more along the lines of what Amy experienced in Gabe and Terry, and less along the line of our many casual acquaintances. There may be many meaningful relationships throughout your life, but only a few that sustain the test of time and endure life's many challenges. To commit to a relationship of this type is to knowingly participate in a process of transformation. It is to say, I am your friend, and I willingly open myself up to be changed by this relationship. It is as if you are entering into a lifelong covenant to be continually shaped by the contours of the relational journey. It is both the message and the medium through which Jesus communicates God's desire to be in relationship with humanity for all of time. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. The question before you this morning is this. Will you receive the type of relationship Jesus invites you into? Will you willingly make yourself vulnerable in hopes that the risks are ultimately worth it? To do so is to open yourself up to the type of companionship which endures all things and all time. I want to leave you this morning with a final glimpse of what this type of companionship may look like. Todd Bolsinger tells the story of two parishioners who form an unlikely friendship. He writes, Hal is blind. Gus is an amputee confined to a wheelchair. Alone, they would each be what we sometimes call shut-ins. Octogenarians both, they don't get around very easily on their own. When they come to worship services, Hal pushes Gus and Gus directs Hal. They make their way through the parking lot and the patio to their place together in the pew. Gus sits in his wheelchair and gives direction. Hal pushes the wheelchair and follows Gus's lead. And together, they get where they want to go. And together, and only together, they come to church. A blind man giving energy to a man who can't walk. A disabled man giving direction to a man who lacks vision. But together, they worship, take part in community, and offer their gifts while inspiring a whole lot of us. Jesus' invitation into this holy type of relationship is not a threat or a misguided sentiment in an emotional moment. 
Rather, it is the most hopeful news we can imagine. God wants to be with us now and forever. And in a foretaste of this eternal gift, we are reminded that each of us has the capacity to abide with one another in love. Amen.